Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all, but especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. My guest this week is Larissa Levicheva. Larissa is no uh, stranger to the show. She's professor of Bible as a specialist in Old Testament at Wesley Seminary uh, here at Indiana Wesleyan University. Longtime colleague and friend of mine and a regular here on the show. And this week we're going to be uh, looking at John 10 verses 1 through 18. John 10 1 through 18. We hope you enjoy the show today. And as you're listening, if you uh, find it particularly enjoyable, we encourage you to press the share button on your podcast player app of choice so that you can pass this show on to others so that they may find out about it as well. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text. And there you can find some ways to support the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Lara. John 10, 1 to 18. Go for it. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherds lay down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have power to lay down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Yeah, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that you um, are the great shepherd of the sheep who brought back your son, Jesus, from the dead, uh, the good shepherd whom you've appointed over your flock. And through his uh, flesh and blood and name, we uh, enter in 
He is both our shepherd and our, our door, our gate, our doorway to you. And so, Father, as we study uh, these words of your Son handed on through this gospel, we ask that uh, you would grant us the portion of the Spirit that we need and desire uh, for this hour, uh, that Lara and I and all those listening in would be guided by your Spirit to encounter your Word and what it is that uh, you wish us to learn today. So we ask this all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. The figure of speech, verse 6, that he said this figure of speech, paromia, right? Not not parabole, not parable, right. although right. kind of a parable, just a different. <laughs> but use this figure of speech, and they did not understand what he was saying to them. So maybe... Uh, Maybe we can have the gift of understanding today. <laughs> so where do you want to, where do you want to start? Uh, where do you want to enter in? Uh, what angle do you want to take as we start engaging this passage? Right. In at the end of chapter nine, mm-hmm. there is a passage about spiritual blindness, right? Yes. Like the the teachers of the law, the Jews, are there and they don't understand what's going on. And in 40, it says, some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we're not blind, are we? (laughs) And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we uh, we see, your (laughs) sin remains. Yeah. Right? And then Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, right? It's usually... When, when Jesus says this, it's a response to something else, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's unfortunate that the chapter, the chapter ends, yeah. but it's still a, a conversation about their spiritual blindness and them being bad leaders, right? But shepherds, right? right? You could yeah. almost break a new chapter at verse 7, just because there at least is a break in the discourse. Do you know right. what I mean? Yes. Uh, there's a pause and the narrator jumps in in verse six. These chapter breaks are just generally irritating. Right. In John yeah. especially. Right. And they're already, yes. the chapters are already so long. Right. Yes. And most of them are already, but in, <laughs> except in the case of maybe chapter six, right. most of them are intrusions. Right. Like right. seven and eight, it's one big chapter. Should be. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Nine and ten. Nine in the first half of ten. It really needs to right. be a chapter break midway through 10 because he actually leaves and it's a whole nother. Right. Become, yeah. There's a whole new festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is helpful, right? The, the, the truly, truly are almost always in response to a question or a objection or a concern right. that's yeah. raised. And then in 19, I know we haven't read that part, that's but okay. 19 it says, again, the Jews were divided because of this yes. word. So there is still some confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So we start with confusion. He goes and explains it, but they're still confused, right? So that's that's how we see that. Yeah, and there it's a schism rises, right? So there's a division. Some people are like, you know, this guy's great. Uh, and others are like, he has a demon. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. But they're like, but how could, I mean, it's even a connection in verse 21. How could he be demon-possessed because he's able to open the he eyes of the blind man? So in many ways, 21 brings to a culmination of the story from of chapter the, 9. Right, of the blind man, right? So... Yeah, so it's a bigger discourse, but anyway. Yeah, and so they're the shepherds of Israel, or supposed to be, right? right? Yes. So he's calling them the thieves and bandits, right? So no wonder they don't understand it, because obviously that doesn't make sense to them. (laughs) Right. So traditionally in uh, in ancient Near East, 
the designation of the shepherd was not necessarily just the person taking care of sheep. A shepherd was a designation for any type of leader or a king or even a deity. Okay. So it's kind of a stock image in a way, right? Right. For yes, authority. To be, right. To be called a shepherd, you would think of a king who is very powerful because to to protect the sheep, you have to use your force sometimes, right? Like Moses has to be very rough with other shepherds who would not allow the women to draw water, right? Right. Or David has to fight for his sheep or even, you know, then as a shepherd fight Goliath, right? With whatever he would use as a shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an image of power, but it's also an image of wisdom and knowledge, right? You know how to lead your sheep and the uh, wisdom always comes from God, right? Whatever God you believe in, he is the one who empowers the wisdom and um, gives you the wisdom. And then with his divine wisdom, you lead your people. Old Testament is full of that imagery. I'm shepherd, he's, Israel is the sheep of my pasture, right? Like all of that is uh, present in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, what's interesting is that the shepherds are not looked favorably on, mm. right? And we get that from the, you know, the birth narratives when the shepherds come, they're not treated nicely. Yeah. So there is a change and it's not quite clear why that change happens from the Old Testament to the New. But what we see Jesus is doing, he is referring to that Old Testament understanding of the shepherd. And the critique of leaders when they're bad shepherds is already there in the prophets, right? It's right. in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Right. So he is using, the, like if we look at Ezekiel 34, it's exactly what the bad shepherds are doing. They're not leading the sheep or they're trying to lead the sheep, but the sheep doesn't listen to, the, to their voice. And so that brings scattering and all that. So, yeah, Jesus speaks directly from Ezekiel, right? The allusions are very, very clear to Ezekiel or to Jeremiah, and yet they still miss it. Mm -hmm. Or they understand what he's talking about, but... Take offense, right? Right. Yeah. Or to admit, it's like, oh, right, he's right. We're really bad. They can't do that. Yeah, they did yeah. not know what it was that he was saying to them. Yeah. It's interesting phrase, you know, it's like right. they can they could grasp the illusion. They could even be like, Oh, what an interesting riff on Ezekiel. Right. We agree. Right. It could we be agree. Like, yeah. we agree. Right. Bad shepherds are bad. Right. Those you were know, really bad. Don't be a bad shepherd. Right. Those were really bad shepherds. Yeah, like but we're not like really that. knowing it is that, <laughs> right. I think. Even the languaging, you know. Right. You know, yet these did not know what it was that he was saying to them. Right. Right. Or about yes. them. Yes. Right. So I think the emphasis might be on the not understanding that it's about them. Right. Might be the focus as much as yeah. like, because I'm sure they can track the. Oh, it's right. Too, it's too standard of too, too much. The imagery right. stock, the, the illusions are clear right. to the prophets. But seeing that it's really about them is like hidden in plain sight, as right. it were. And it's also with this whole imagery, because there is a you know, the gate, and then there is mm -hmm. a gatekeeper, and then there is a, um, well, a shepherd, right? It's, it's like several layers yeah. of leadership almost, right? Like it's, so you, you get the idea that it's not somebody's tiny little yard or 
tiny little house mm-hmm. where they keep one or two sheep, right? If there is a gatekeeper, that means there have to be a lot of sheep to protect. Mm-hmm. There's a right? whole staff here. Right. right? Yes. The gatekeeper, because yes. there's hired hands. Right. Which are a little different. I mean, I don't want to allegorize too much, but clearly he's doing something here. We got a gatekeeper. Um, we've got shepherd. We've got hired hands that come in later. And we've got, you know, thieves and bandits. And later we even get a wolf. Right. <laughs> so there's like so, a lot yeah. of, and the hired hands are not, they're not enemies. They're just like not, they don't have that personal concern. They don't have attachment to the sheep. Right. So and they run away, but they're not, they're not evil. And that's the thieves the, and the robbers are kind right. of hidden. In the law, it says that the hired hand was not responsible for any damage done to the animals that he was uh, responsible for. As as far as restoring the animal back mm-hmm. or paying back the money for the lost animal. He was a hired hand and that happened and he was not responsible. Fee for service. Right. Yeah. So that's part so, of what's going on in 13 is that the, the, the wage earner, it is of no concern to him regarding the sheep, right? That, that right. he doesn't have, it's not his, it's not his concern. There's uh, no personal involvement. Right. In it. Yes. So. Oh, that, that biblical injunction, that's helpful. That law. Is that in Leviticus or later yeah, in Exodus? Leviticus. Right? Leviticus. That's good. That's a helpful clarification. But I think. But I mean, it's reasonable. That, I mean, that's a world. That's right. what. It's the whole point of the wage is, you know, because right. the shepherd doesn't get a, a wage at the end of every day. You know what I mean? It's they right. get paid when they shear the sheep right. in the season or what sell them off or whatever. Yeah. Right. But I think it's also interesting that Jesus says, I am the gate. Yeah. Right? There is the there are all these people involved in taking care of the sheep, but yet he starts with saying, I'm the gate. Yes. Yeah. Not I'm the gatekeeper, for example. Yes. Right? You would expect Right, because it's that. not a character in the story. It's a Right. Yeah, that is so weird. That's because because the him saying I'm the good shepherd is so famous. But he doesn't start there. He's twice asserts that he's the gate. And I wonder if that's in Psalm 118. Okay. Studying with like verse 19. Can you turn there? That's good. Get there. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate uh-huh. of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. Uh-huh. So there is, I think in Psalm 78, verse 23, it's also mentioned the gate to heaven mm-hmm. or the door to heaven. So the Old Testament, and there's there's more in... Um, were you going to keep going? Because the next verse is very on brand for the season we're in. This is right. Easter season still. I thank you that you've answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected. rejected. Right. It's become the chief cornerstone. Sorry, I just wanted to slip that in there, which right. I, which I yes. don't believe is ever quoted. That famous line in the book of John. Correct. Uh, gets quoted, later. right? Yeah. Gets quoted in Acts and, and right. in the synoptics. Okay, wow. Right. But the, the idea of the gate mm-hmm. of heaven, you know, is present in the Old Testament, it's present in the apocalyptic writings, right? So you yeah. enter heaven through a gate. There is right. that. And then, of course, in Revelation, we read, you know, the, the door to heaven opens. But what's interesting is that Jesus identifies himself with that gate now. Yeah. Like if they all in the Old Testament understanding is that God opens it for you, uh-huh. right? Because of 
you know, one's righteousness and obedience and all that. Jesus makes it clear that that's true, but you'll also come through me, right? That picture of, you know, belief in Jesus, right? But then going through him, his teachings, listening to what he says, right? That's yeah. It's bringing the, um, the teachings of the Old Testament to a much more embodied yes. right, understanding. It's quite interesting what Jesus is doing with it. Absolutely. Man, that, that's huge because that, it also helps explain a, a kind of oddity that he says that we enter through this, I mean, the, this gate, we translate it gate because in the context of the figure, that makes more sense, but it, like I know, like some older translations will say the door, right? Yes, and and there actually are there is another Greek word that would be the more natural one. To, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I remember studying this once that there's a more standard word for a the gate door. that would actually be used for a sheet pen. That mm-hmm. this is a little strange, um, but it may be because of these allusions that are being made to that passage. It was one you said it was Psalm one eighteen, right. and um, it's in twenty. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to look to see if it's the same. Ah, no, it's not. It's, 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 it's Pule or it's the Pulas de Cosumis. Yeah. So that would be more, but I'm trying to see if that was up earlier in the passage. No, it's always Thuros here. So anyway. Right. In, yeah. I was in just John. Looking, yeah. yeah. I was just looking at the Septuagint, although John doesn't quote the Septuagint precisely. He, I think he's sometimes translating you know what i mean from right. yes yes it's unclear so but anyway it's just kind of a funny a funny little moment here of like the door of the sheep or the gate of the sheep that like on one level i think everything you've been saying up to this point has been helping to clarify like just going and looking at what sheep herding was like in the first century is not actually our first clue, especially because Jesus himself wasn't a shepherd. Correct. He may not have yep. known much about what sheep herding was like. <laughs> it's that actually this was already a, right. a literary trope, right? right? That he's kind of picking up on and running with. And so some of this language from the Psalms, the prophets are as relevant as just kind of what everyday sheep herding looks like. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yes. But you're right, it is really bizarre that the first thing he does is not identify himself with one of the characters in his little figure here, right. but to make yeah. himself the door, but in a way, or the gate. But then by doing so, he's turning, like you said, kind of turning the gate into something more personal and embodied. Right. Go through me, not just through my teachings or through a particular way of life, but right. personally through me. And it could also be that in the Old Testament, we have the law giving. And from that point on, it's all about the prophets are talking about the law, right? They're explaining. So you obey God or you listen to his voice by following the law, right? right? And going through, you know, sacrifices and everything else. But now with Jesus coming, it's not just what you have heard, but now you have this embodiment of how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, God is with us. So now the law is with us, is being lived out. And this is, and now the law has a the voice. The flesh. <laughs> right. Right. That all those expressions that we usually use, right? That's, that's exactly what's happening here. So now you hear the direct voice of Jesus. Yeah, which right. is probably why eventually the gate metaphor has to drop out. Yes. Because it's so it's, personalized. Right. Yeah. And it's 
limited. Right? Hence the language of voice. You know, he knows right. the sheep, and eventually, when the metaphor comes back up, he'll talk about the sheep she knowing his voice, voice and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's already in the original right. uh, figure yes. before he says it's him. Right? Mm -hmm. He describes, you know, when they hear his voice and they don't listen to the voice of another. Verse fifteen. Excuse me, five. Right. right? Because they don't mm -hmm. know the voice right. of the stranger or the interloper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Let's take a break and come back and explore this some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Lara Levicheva, and we are looking at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Begins verse 1 through 6 with this figure of speech, and then 7 through 10, there's the I am the gate twice, and then 11 through 16, I am the good shepherd twice, and explaining that a little bit, and then some exposition at the end of their 17 through 18 has got a lot going on in it, but <laughs> expanding on the laying down, laying down his life for the sheep. But yeah, can I, can I ask you, and we don't have to camp on this at all, it's just a question that I find curious. So one last thing from the, the door or the, the gate, verse nine. So I am the gate. If anyone goes through me, they will be saved or rescued or healed or however you want to translate that. And they will go in and they will come out and they will find pasture. So I, I just, the language of going in and going out, I just was talking with uh, someone recently and they were, they found it curious like wait I'm, i thought i'm going through through the gate so that i could you know you even talk right. about going the gates of heaven right you go you go through the gate you get to the father why am i leaving now right so help me with that imagery a little bit right this is a very covenantal language right if we think of deuteronomy 6 yeah. where you know how you're you know after the shema Right, the explanation of what you're supposed to do, put it on the doorpost, put it on your yeah. forehead, on your right hand. And as you go in, recite it with your children as mm -hmm. you go out and come in. Yeah. Or Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the right mountains, where does my help come from? And then again, that idea of going, going in, in and going out. out. So wherever that is, it's a very, very covenantal that's so helpful. So that actually helps us see how close John is connected yes. to that Old Testament understanding of what's going on. And, and he's that, very freely mixing mm -hmm. metaphors. Yep. And what that brings forward for us is a covenantal understanding of salvation, not as going into heaven or hiding in the church or right. whatever. It's a living in the world, a coming and going, right? Because right. the fact is, is, if you just keep the sheep inside the pen, they die. They have to go out <laughs> right. of the right? Yes. So the, the sheepfold is protection at night from right. the wolves, the thieves and robbers, all that. Right. But it's not the, it's not the point. Right. It's not the end in itself. You also need to go out to pasture and eat and live and play. Right. right? So there's kind of a, there, there's a picture, I think, of salvation here that can be, I think, challenging in a good way for us. That salvation is not a, a status achieved through Jesus. Right? Right. But a whole new way of life, life, a coming and going in and out. Right. And speaking of life, in 10, yep. Yep. the second part, I came that they may have life and yes. have it abundantly, right? Yes. So the understanding before this is that in the final age, in the, end, in the 
age to come, when Messiah comes, when God finally comes back, all of this will happen, but it's somewhere in the future. Mm. What Jesus is saying is that, no, you can have it now. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the coming in and going out. Yeah, there's even a covenantal correction of an exclusively apocalyptic understanding of salvation here, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually available now to you, this abundant life. And the idea of giving life, it's always the idea of that eternal life that Mm -hmm. comes. That was Jesus saying that, no, if it comes through me, that's available to you now, right? You're already living that type of life. Yeah, it yep. extends into the eschaton or extends into the, the age, the ion. Right. Yeah. Or it's breaking forward from there mm-hmm. into the now. Right. To picture it either direction. Right. But the, right. Etern- the eternality of it doesn't mean it's off in the distance. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that that's that's very, very helpful. Yeah. So it seems as though as we continue, and maybe you want to go in a different direction. So but it seems as though the moment he switches, I'm realizing this now talking with you, because even all that language of going in, coming out, that can all make us think of a shepherd. Mm-hmm. The moment he switches to saying, I am the good shepherd or the noble shepherd, beautiful mm-hmm. shepherd, it's immediately then about him laying down his life. But that's right. the focus of the shepherd language. Right. Even though if you read just the first five verses, you could maybe think of other things. That's the focus. Right. And then that stays the focus, I guess, till the end of 18. Yes. Other than mm-hmm. the going and getting others. But even that, I think, is linked. It's probably linked to his laying down the life. So what do you, you think is going on there? Why is that the kind of primary sense of being a good shepherd is this laying down the life? I think this is now the echoes to the Messianic understanding, right? Mm. Like with Isaiah. Of, you know, the person who, who will come as a Messiah comes yeah. for that purpose, right? And is it Jeremiah or Ezekiel who talks pretty heavily of a coming shepherd? One of them talks more about God coming as a shepherd. I'm trying to remember. Right. In Ezekiel um, 34. Yeah, we should probably turn there because that may help. Sorry, I might know where you were going, but it sounds like that's where you're thinking, right? This kind of messianic shepherd. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So Ezekiel 34. 23, I'll set up over them one shepherd. Just like he says, one shepherd, one one sheep. Yeah. My servant, David. That's pretty. I don't see the word Messiah here, but you're getting pretty messianic once David's there. No, is that fair to guess? Yes. (laughs) He shall feed them and be their shepherd. I will feed them with good pasture. They shall lie down in good grazing land, right? That he's talking about Mm -hmm. that. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And yes. I will make them lie down, says the Lord. I will seek, seek the lost. Uh, like here, he says, I have other sheep. Right. Yep. Which are probably the Gentiles. Right? Yeah, the Gentiles. But maybe they might have at first heard it as, oh, the diaspora, the lost sheep. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yeah. Out who are practically Greeks as far as they're concerned. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they look and smell like Gentiles to them. <laughs> wow. Well, bring back the strayed, bind up the injured. Yeah, so in this passage, it's God himself doing it, and then this at the end, there's this little twist that he's going to have a new shepherd through whom he's going to do all of this, or who's going to take over once he's done it, or something like that. So, you know, it's always my question. Like, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, mm. what did the Pharisees hear? 
mm-hmm. because they, they're so well versed in their scriptures, which is the Old Testament. Yeah. They have to know what he's talking about. And yet they still don't understand. Yeah. But again, you know, he's talking about the those who are already determined that they will not listen, right? That they will not accept, right, that those, they will not change. That's right. The first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34 are all against the right. current shepherds of Israel eating and getting fat, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I wonder, verse, I mean, 19, a division again among the Judeans because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? I mean, right. in some sense, they might be getting it if they're saying that. Right, <laughs> like, yes, yes. They might be saying. He's claiming something particular, yeah, right? Very that we particular. don't buy. So this is more disbelief than misunderstanding, perhaps. Right. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right. So I think it's that, you know, was the was the gospels right? You, you read this, but there is no like real exegesis going on, right? right? So you're always like, okay, so where do I find myself? Yeah, right. Who am I in this story? And yeah. it's like, oh, well, we know what it's supposed to be. We've been taught. We know it really well. So now it's happening. We do have to make a decision, right? Yeah. We do have to say no. We've been wrong. Oh, we have to say, no, we're still right. But then knowingly, <laughs> right? Like it's, how do you still? Yeah. And the, the shepherd language, when it shows up, you know, there's the famous shepherd parable in Matthew right. 18, Luke's version in right. Luke 15. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's beautiful, very tender, very sweet. And there's critique there, but it's invitation to celebrate, right. not to. Right. And it's easy to, with that in our heads to kind of read that into this parable here, which the focus is a little bit more on the critique of leadership, right? So right. I mean, I think yes. for any, because yeah. a lot of our listeners of this show are pastors, church leaders of some kind, teachers, and like this passage is about you, buddy, right? Like if you're listening to this yeah. show, you're probably like, you're right. a shepherd to somebody. There is some flock that looks to you, whether you see it or realize it or not. And so then the question is, where are you in this passage? It's it's going to have right. to be, okay, am I a false shepherd, right? A thief and a robber, am right. I just out for my own gain? Right. And then maybe, okay, if if not, then also maybe am I a hired hand, yeah. right? right. <laughs> am, I, yes. yeah. am I in this as long right. as it's good? But the moment it gets, when the wolf comes, do I run? Right. <laughs> right. Or am I really willing to put my life down? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the his disciples are his sheep in some sense. Obviously, that's the first sense. But you do get a little bit of a sense that the hired—I mean, the hired hands—you could also think of as the disciples, right? His well, own, yeah. his assistants. You know, and they they're are on the, the first right to team, run away, but right? Exactly, they run away when it gets so. tough. They run, you know. So it's yeah, but who you are? Who are? Who am I in the story? It's such a great question to ask because it's so natural to say, "Oh, I'm a sheep." Right. I get to see Jesus being this wonderful shepherd for me. I think that is part of the good news of the passage, but uh, it's definitely not the focus of the passage. (laughs) It's not the primary primary focus, especially when you locate it with those last couple verses from chapter nine. Right. The focus is a little more on who am I in the story? Well, I need to check myself. Am I (laughs) one of these... These and, false shepherds. And usually the pictures of, you know, Jesus carrying this 
<laughs> little sweet lamb and all that. But I don't think that's what the passage is yeah. about. No, it's a polemic against the bad shepherds. Yeah, I lay down my life for the sheep. The question is, do you? Right. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's so tempting, especially in this time of year, you know, before and after Easter, to get drawn into thinking about my gratitude. And again, this isn't wrong. It's just we don't want to get – I don't want us to let our sort of piety blind us to what's there. It's easy for me to read this passage and immediately think like how grateful I am that he laid down his life for me, one of his sheep. And I don't think that's a bad thought to have, but it is a, it may be a diversion. It may be, you know, right. <laughs> an evasion because the tough question that's being pressed is, well, what kind of under shepherd are you? Yeah. You and know? I think we're reading Luke, right? That uh -huh. beautiful story of, you know, reading it into this, right? reading into this. Yeah. But that's not what it is. I think it's a good challenge, though. It's a really good challenge. Because, you know, Jesus says, you know, I have other sheep, right? So it's, yes. he's very clear about, in this passage, what this, the, about being the leader of his people, right? And the type of leadership that God really desires. And if it's a true leadership that God really desires, that means it's pursuing the, the purpose of election of Israel, right? like actually bring in the rest mm -hmm. of the world, right? Which they fail to do, but no, I do have other sheep and I will bring them. They will hear my voice and they will become, there will come to pass yes. one shepherd, one a flock flock. one, one flock or one sheep flock. <laughs> yep. Huh. Huh. And, you know, for this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life in order to take it up again. Mm-hmm. Right, the willingness to lay down his life, because that's what the father wants him to do for the sake of the sheep, right? For the sake of the people. That's how it should have been all along with the leadership, but that has never happened before. Yeah, laying down the life and then receiving it again with authority. That's why I think this authority word showing up here at the end is very, I know your translation went with power, which is fine. It's not wrong, but... Right. Exousia right. uh, authority might mm. be just as good because, like you said from the beginning, the, Im the the imagery of a shepherd is always an image of right power and authority, right? right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So he has the authority to lay this thing down. It's laying down his life's not a, just a pure act of weakness. It's actually right. Yes, the choice he makes, and then has the authority to receive it again. This is the command I have received from my father. That's a fun fact. I, just, I have a particular, like, we don't have to linger here other than just like I have a little translational pet peeve okay. about 17 through 18. Take is fine. It's not wrong. Or mm -hmm. take, although take up again, the up is really okay. not there. Take right. is fine. Uh, but it, it's weird because in the very last sentence, it's the exact same verb again. This is the, the commandment I have taken okay. from my father. And you probably right. wouldn't translate, you don't take a command. Mm -hmm from your father. Maybe you do, but uh, I think receive would also work mm. as a translation here. Because so you usually give a command, right? So Yeah. So yeah, you take. Take's fine. But the phrase, take it up again, this is also often quoted as like a proof text to contrast like that Jesus kind of like raises himself, oh. which is not how most of the New Testament talks. Usually the New Testament talks about the father so raising the son, right? Right. But here he's saying he has the authority to receive his life again. 
from the father, right? Like it's right. not, <laughs> he's not doing this of himself. He lays it down of himself and receives it from his father with the authority right. that he never lost. Again, that's a picky thing, but I thought I'd just well, point it out important. for fun. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Because yeah. again, it's the exact same verb in verse 18 when he says, I have the authority to receive it again, namely right. my life. This is the commandment I've received from my father. So, I mean, that's the, I don't know, there is a little Easter narrative all there just in 17 and 18, right? The right. laying down yes. and the giving up and no one takes it from me, you know, it's like, which is totally plays out then in John, right? When they come to arrest him, he's like, all right, I'll go. You know, right. Let them go, you know? Right. Yep. <laughs> Lays down his life for his friends. And when they come to kill him, he's already dead because he decided, he decided right. He the decided, time, right? right? When to die. Yeah, the time has come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then receives it again. Which then goes back to verse 10, I've come, they may have life and have it abundantly. It's yes. because he has this life in himself, right? Chapter right. 5, verse 26, the father has life in himself mm -hmm. and he's granted the son to have life mm -hmm. in himself, right? So there is this sense in which this life that's in him is in us, but only through him. And he has the authority, right? Yes, to give it. that's right. Again, but not given as like a little token and now you have it or you just go and hide in the pen, but it's a whole way of life. Yeah. Right. Well, good. Let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Larissa Levicheva, and we are looking at John chapter 10. Verses 1 through 18. So let's explore some sermon stars. We've already planted some seeds, and maybe you have more exegetical comments you want to slip in before we're done. It's up to you. But uh, what are some thoughts? Where, where, where would you want to see someone go with this passage? Where would you go if you were being asked to preach or teach on it? What would be, what would be the focus and some, some general thoughts about a way to go? What comes to mind? Right. So, again, you know, who are you in this story? If you're in a position of leadership, what type of leader are you? Mm -hmm. I think it's a good passage to actually prayerfully consider. Yeah. How do you treat your congregation or whatever, or whoever you are in charge of, or mm -hmm. whoever you lead? And you may even but have then, to go back from there if you're not, if you don't think of yourself that way. Right. Who is my flock? What is the portion of the flock that God has entrusted right. to me? Because right. odds are you do have a few sheep <laughs> right. and you don't realize right. your authority yeah. sometimes. If you have a family, Right. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're not in a position of leadership, but I don't think you need to be a leader to lay down your life, right? To truly mm -hmm. care for whoever is in your circle of influence, because every one of us has that. And maybe be more assertive, mm. right? Because Jesus does give us abundant life. He does it with authority. So we are able through him to be leaders for others. And again, it doesn't have to be anything enormous, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's more about daily life, right? How do we live uh, daily treating others? So that's probably a good idea to, to go with. And there are so many things to pursue within that larger theme. Yeah, you could even play a little trick on somebody in a sermon, like actually start out thinking of us as the sheep, Right. And then kind of have okay. an aha moment of like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, wait, what if, <laughs> what if I'm a, right. One of these other shepherds, 
Right. Am I being challenged here not to just be a passive sheep, but an active under shepherd in the right way? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Be more than a hired hand. Yeah. But then another idea is, you know, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. Right. But how do we learn his voice? Right. Do, yes. Do we really, again, it may be connected to the leadership question or not, but you know, he says the stranger's voice is not something that the sheep will follow. Yes. So the shepherd has to spend time with the sheep for them to learn their voice, right? To learn his voice. So how well do we know what to follow? Are we just follow something that sounds like what it should be? Or do we actually wrestle and read and understand and live it out? So that we are able to say, oh, no, that's a stranger. I'm not yeah. going that way, right? So, No, that's really good. And that's that's a thing worth considering. We may want to even just glance at it briefly because there's a little bit additional. All of a sudden, it's, it's Hanukkah in verse 22. And it's not mm-hmm. clear, like, has just a lot of time passed since the last festival? Has he just stayed in town since the Feast of Weeks that started in... In, uh, not weeks, excuse me, uh, booths, uh, tents, tabernacles back in chapter 7. Right. Because he does kind of continue the so-called Good Shepherd discourse in 25. I've told you, because they ask him, you know, tell us plainly whether you're the Messiah. And he's kind of like, I just told you I'm the shepherd. <laughs> you're not going to be read your Ezekiel. But, you know, I've told you and you did not believe, he says. Right. The works which I have done in the name of my father – uh, these bear witness regarding me, but you all do not believe because you are not of my sheep, right? My sheep, this is what you were saying, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them life eternal and they will not perish unto eternity and no one snatches them out of my hand. The father has given all things uh, who is greater than all things uh, and no one is able to snatch out of his hand, out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. And then, of course, they freak out at that. <laughs> which of my good works are you stoning me for? He asks them, which is hilarious. I think the shepherd language drops out after that. But just right. kind of just like acknowledging what you were saying, that there's like a little bit of extra information there about a twist in the in the dialogue into something about hearing and recognizing. And some do and some don't. You know, right? Um, and those who do listen to him. Yeah. They don't chase after a stranger who hops over and skips the gate. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then, yeah, there, there is a whole sermon there about what does it mean to be attuned to his voice, to hear it, to recognize his voice, because whatever it means to be a you know a fitting under shepherd under Jesus, you never stop being a sheep. Or to put it differently, a, a, sh- a good shepherd smells like the sheep, right? It's actually. <laughs> You, you participate in the life of the sheep. And so hearing his voice is essential. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. There are so many different directions. It's such a powerful passage. You know, you could talk about, you could focus in on his death and resurrection. You could focus on true leadership, true authority, you could focus on being a sheep who listens well. Maybe you could try to concoct all of those into one sermon. That might be a little overwhelming. Right. But. <laughs> and the abundant life. Right? Yeah. Right, the life abundant, which gets repeated, right? And I give them eternal life in 28, verse 28. So that does come up again, that life 
that he wants okay. to give. Yeah, the thief, is that verse 10? The, the kleptes, right? The klepto. Right. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So again, I don't want to allegorize too much here, but this is what, the devil or right. the other bad shepherds? Is he talking about the Pharisees here? I don't know. It's well, how, how would you take that? <laughs> well, I think if we, again, go back to Ezekiel, mm-hmm. right? The bad shepherds are the ones who kill the sheep or take the best from yes. them and not taking care of them. So yes, they are, they are the thieves mm-hmm. because they're only taking what, they want for themselves right so they steal and kill and destroy so the you know again thinking of hebrew and how hebrew poetry works right all this parallelism that yes add the same idea but making it now worse every steal, time kill, destroy right, right yeah. possible and then it's still hebrew parallelism he says i have come no, that they may have life, life and they may have it to abundance right yeah Repeat it, but the second adds something. It right. advances it, seconds it, deepens it. Right. Yeah. And it's probably too much to um, to say that Jesus here speaks in like in the wisdom tradition, but I think he does because the wisdom tradition you always bring two possibilities, right? A way of life and a way of death. Ah, uh-huh. Right. There are always two. You choose between them, and then you turn to nature into life you yeah. bring something from nature to speak your point right so again i i think it's something that always confirms it and clarifies it a little right, bit right okay takes us back to deuteronomy you know moses said i lay before you today you know life and death choose life right but you know with death with you know destruction and all that so i wonder if like the way he speaks Mm-hmm. Right, the way Jesus speaks, the way John presents him speaking, that's so powerfully rooted in that Old Testament understanding right. of what is, you know, of what the Messiah is supposed to be, like what he's supposed to say and act, right? Like all of this comes together. It's like, well, which exactly, what exactly is he quoting right now or alluding to, right? It's all of it. All of it all right? at once. All, yeah. So it's just so powerful. Yeah, mixing all the metaphors and prophecies all together. In just a few verses. Yeah. And yet it is, in the end, this very simple wisdom teaching. Right. Follow me. I'll show you the way. Right. You know, because he's very simple. Right. Because the essence of discipleship here is not here's a list of things to do. It's follow me. me. Follow my voice. I'll get you there. You don't have to figure it all out in advance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so powerful. So beautiful. Well, thanks, Laura. Are we good? Yes. Good. Oh, yes. I, I learned a good. ton today. Okay. This is good. fun. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, Thank thanks you. so much for giving of your time. Oh, uh, yes. Thank uh, you for yeah. inviting me again. Absolutely. Thanks to Todd and Eric, especially Todd, for all the production work. Can't imagine doing the show without you. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And thanks to the supporters of the show. Uh, if you'd like to uh, support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you could become one of our patron saints. And with that said... We say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. Goodbye.